This is exactly what Ken O'Keefe, the offensive coordinator from Iowa, has to do. Much like we've seen from Wisconsin. Break some tendencies. You think of Big Ten football, you think of power running. In this case, for Iowa to go to their strength, which is running the football with Albert Young and Damian Sims, they have to throw the football in first and ten to alleviate all the pressure that is being put on their running game, and then that will open up the running lanes later in this game. That's a good call. I'm going to tell you right now that Iowa is not going to be able to run the football tonight. Flat out, they will not be able to run the ball until they make a few things happen in the passing game. And with the injuries that they've sustained to go along with their concerns already coming in, you don't know if this is going to be possible to see them throw the football. And if they can't throw, they will not be able to run tonight against Wisconsin. Got to get it to the sideline. Got to get out of bounds. Does up over the top. What a catch by Koleonis. Oh, baby. What a touchdown grab. Johnson Koleonis. What a circus catch. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett. Welcome to the weekly football podcast from HawkeyesMike.com. Our thanks to ESPN on ABC for those cuts. Kirk Herbstreet's a very good analyst on game day and in the booth. And as a former quarterback, he's particularly perceptive regarding the offense. More of those cuts coming later. Wisconsin barely survived a determined Iowa team Saturday night in prime time, winning 17-13 when a Jake Christensen pass to Paul Chaney fell just out of the redshirt freshman's grasp with moments to go. Many fans wondered how the Hawks would respond to the loss at Iowa State. They responded very well. Iowa demonstrated determination and grit, exhibiting a dominating defense once again, although a lack of rotation contributed to a wearing down by the fourth quarter. Special teams showed some improvement, and redshirt freshman Daniel Murray stepped in to do all of the place kicking following a late week injury to Austin Signor. But while the offense utilized some new formations, including the spread, which were somewhat successful, by and large it continues to sputter and frustrate Hawk fans. Yet, you could see some flashes of potential, and when Ken O'Keefe sent in the kind of plays that gave Jake Christensen a chance against a relentless Wisconsin blitz, he gave fans some real hope for the rest of the season. Injuries played a big part in this game, with tight end Tony Moyaki and White out Andy Brodell both going down early in the first quarter, leaving the Hawkeyes to play a receiving core composed almost entirely of true and redshirt freshmen. One of the ways you can tell how inexperienced Iowa is with their skill is that there seems to be a lack of understanding of where to run the route and being in sync and in timing with the quarterback Jake Christensen. A lot of times throughout this first half, these younger receivers and tight ends, they're looking for the ball on their left or right shoulder and the ball's thrown in the opposite direction. That's part of the, the learning curve of being young out on the outside with your skill. A quick review of game notes and key stats. Iowa started the Wisconsin game once again on offense after winning the toss. You have to wonder when is Kirk Ferentz going to realize the offense sputters almost always on that first series and sends his defense out on the field to begin those games. And in any event, Iowa once again failed to score. They've not scored in any of their opening drives in the first four games. Wisconsin, by winning, maintained possession of the Heartland Trophy. It's Iowa's first game this season against a ranked opponent. Wide receivers James Cleveland and Darrell Johnson Culianos posted career highs in receptions and yards. Johnson Culianos also had two kickoff returns for 63 yards, including one that was 44 yards. The Hawkeyes finished 
the game with a plus three turnover margin. Iowa's defense has collected eight takeaways in 2007, three fumbles and five interceptions. Iowa extended its streak of not allowing a touchdown to 13 quarters before the Badgers scored a touchdown with just 43 seconds remaining in the first half. Iowa's the only team in the nation to start the season by not allowing a touchdown through three games. Five Hawkeyes registered seven tackles or more tonight. They included Klinkenberg, Shada, Humple, King, and Eads. Amazingly, there were a total of 18 punts in Saturday night's game. The attendance was 82,630. That's the fifth largest crowd in the history of Camp Randall Stadium. And it's the eighth time in the last nine seasons that Iowa began the Big Ten Conference action with a road game. Looking at some of the key stats, Iowa had 13 first downs to Wisconsin 17. The Badgers netted 166 yards rushing compared to Iowa's 59. In passing yards, Iowa led the way 169 to 138 over Wisconsin. And total offensive yards saw the Badgers with the edge 304 to 228 yards. Some of the key stats, first downs, Iowa 13, Wisconsin 17. Net yards rushing, the Hawks 59, the Badgers 166. Net yards passing, Iowa 169, Wisconsin 138. Total offensive yards, 304 for Wisconsin, 228 for Iowa. Possession time, 25-15 for the Hawks, 34-36 for Wisconsin. But the key stat in terms of possession time came in the fourth quarter when Wisconsin's offense held onto the ball for over 11 minutes and Iowa less than four. Third down conversions, pretty paltry for the Hawks, two of 16. The Badgers weren't a whole lot better, seven of 17. Red zone scoring chances, one for two for the Hawks, two for four for the Badgers, three sacks for Iowa, four for Wisconsin. One other interesting note for the Hawkeyes, through the first four games, 28 first-year student athletes have seen game action, 10 true freshmen and 18 redshirt freshmen. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge at ui.com. And by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. Just a reminder that these football programs come to you weekly during the entire season. This week, once again, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions. And we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your opinions each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Next, let's hear from the coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa versus Indiana, homecoming 2007 for the Hawks back at Kinnick. First, Kirk looks back and looks ahead. It was a tough ball game. I think uh, really hard fought by both teams, great environment, and, uh, you know, just a, a tough night. So uh, we had a long ride home. Tough day like any loss. You know, it's always tough on Sundays. Uh, first of all, it's good to be home. We've been on the road a little bit the last month, so good to come back home. Good to be back for homecoming. I know we have a great crowd. and. Uh, we got an outstanding uh, opportunity, but we got a great challenge in our hands playing Indiana, a team that played us extremely well last year, and uh, they're playing better now than they were a year ago. They're, they're a team that's uh, uh, playing extremely hard. They're well coached uh, defensively. Uh, a lot of guys back. In fact, both sides of the ball, they got a lot of guys back. They're playing very well defensively. They're uh, uh, well coached, tough, and hard nosed there. And, and offensively, po pose a lot of problems. Uh, they've got a very good core of receivers, very fast running back, and thick pen, and 
you know, the quarterback's playing extremely well. You know, he was a young guy. We played him last year, played really well against us, particularly as the game went on, and uh, he's doing a great job right now running their offense. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a heck of a challenge for our football team, uh, one, getting off the mat, and then secondly, uh, having to p prepare for a very, very good football team. So uh, that's uh, the work that's ahead of us, and we'll get back at it today. Coach Ferentz asked about the improvement he saw in the Wisconsin game. Yeah, I think, first of all, uh, we competed real hard, which was good. and Not that we haven't, but, I mean, the, the, we had the tempo that you need to have to be successful, which was, was good to see. Um, you know, the defense obviously did a lot of good things, uh, really played well and competed hard. And I, I thought our offensive guys are competing. I think they've been competing hard. It's just a matter of us uh, gelling and putting things together. But uh, there's some things that are affecting us right now, and, uh, we're going to have to work through those areas and, and uh, get there. Uh, I thought Jay kept his composure and, uh, uh, you know, played well in tough circumstances. I thought he grew from the week prior. I think he's been growing each and every week, so that's certainly a positive. Um, guys up front are, are doing some things better. We're not there yet, but they're doing some things better. So I, I think, you know, overall as a team, we grew. Um, certainly, and on special teams too, we're doing some things better. I think our, our tempo there has been pretty good, but we're not we're – not, uh, uh, cohesive enough yet obviously our PAT field goal protection's got to improve it that's just that's inexcusable but uh yeah we're, we're doing some things better too so we're, we're gaining ground we're making some progress seems like most of the close games the last few years have been going against Iowa I, I don't think it wears on you but uh, certainly something we are aware of. there are a lot of statistics I don't, I don't put much put much stock into but certainly that's one I do follow and uh I think it's seven of them now in a row something like that but yeah, you go back to, to little things, usually it's traceable. And when, when we were winning those close games, which we did a pretty good job of, you know, we weren't getting PATs or field goals blocked, that type of thing. And uh, when you're involved in close games, everything's magnified a little bit, so you've got to be more detailed and uh, you, you're never quite sure what play is going to affect the game. That's one thing about being a player or a coach, you never know, uh, you know, what, what is going to affect it. And it's like our ball game two weeks ago. There are certain things you could focus on, but, I, you know, I could give you 15 that really affected the game dramatically. Uh, so, yeah, when it gets down to the last minute, you know, you're focused on that. But it's really – there's usually 10, 15 things that you can go back in close games. And that's that's a challenge for the football team is to get over the hump on those. Iowa's had trouble defending the spread offense, and that's what Indiana brings into Kinnick on Saturday. Yeah, we'll find out this week, you know, because these guys spread it out and they've got good receivers. Uh, again, it's a mixture of guys. You know, they've got uh, speed. They've got big physical guys. Uh, they've got big physical guys that are fast, hardy, you know, so uh, – they're a tough matchup, and then the quarterback's doing a heck of a job. For us, it's uh, playing good team defense. It's like anything. No matter what offense you play, you have to, have to. Uh, I think you rely on all 11 guys to do their job, and then, you know, somebody can do something on top of it. It's great, but, uh, you know, certainly you've got to be in good position. You've got to uh, trust that your teammates are in the position they need to be in, and then, uh, you know, hopefully you're doing it with uh, good technique so you have a chance to, uh, chance to you know, to be productive. But it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's all predicated on what you, you can do and get practice. You know, first of all, what your players can handle, and then what can can you get executed during the course of the week. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to come up with a couple things for this thing. Next up, new Hoosier head coach Bill Lynch talks about Saturday's game. Played a good Illinois football team on on Saturday. That uh, I thought they played very well and uh, got a good win. Uh, we got to regroup a little bit, get ready to go play uh, another really good football team uh, in Iowa, uh, in Iowa City. What about the Iowa defense? Well, they're they're a really good football team, and they always have been. Uh, they're very very consistent uh, in their approach, and uh, they're very very active up front. They they're uh, they're down guys. 
are tough and quick, and they, they give you enough movement that really creates problems. Their linebackers run well, and their secondary is always in the right place. They're, they're a very hard team to get big plays on, uh, and, and you can tell, you know, they just don't give up many points. Uh, you know, they're tough to run on because of what they do. Uh, so it's just a really good, sound defensive football team, and, and uh, you know, like you said, they played four good teams, and, and nobody's had a lot of luck uh, moving the ball on them. What's your sense of Iowa's offense? Well, their offense is, you know, I, you know, I've got great respect for Iowa football and have through the years and studying how they, you know, coaches build this program and uh, one plays off the other. I mean, they play great defense, uh, they play great run defense, and they also take great pride in being a good physical running football team. Uh, and, and so you've got to be able to stop the run. I think they've got two really good backs. Uh, I, I like their young quarterback. Um, but you get so involved in, in trying to stop the run with the, the formations uh, they give you, then they're, they're going to play action pass and get something big over the top. So, uh, you know, they're very, very sound. You can tell that they, they stress, you know, taking care of the football. And, uh, you don't see Iowa beating themselves. So I, I think there's a, you know, a great philosophy there that one plays off the other. Following our first caller, you'll hear from former Hawkeye All-American and All-Pro tight end Marv Cook. Hi, this is Mark from West Des Moines. Just wanted to comment on the uh, state of the Hawkeyes right now. It's amazing how close uh, the Hawkeyes are to being four and zero right now instead of being two and two. It's just a matter of two plays in the Iowa State and Wisconsin games. If Brett Culbertson had missed that field goal, we would have won the Iowa State game. And had Paul Cheney uh, been able to connect up with Jake Christensen on that last play, we'd have won that game as well. So I know a lot of Hawkeye fans are a little disappointed at this point, but gee, the, the, it's such a fine line between 2-2 two and two and 4-0. and oh. Here we are, uh, four weeks into the season, we've already lost our top three receivers, Dominic Douglas, of course, before the season started. Uh, Andy Brodell's now out and Tony Moyaki for a while, and uh, not too many teams can weather that, but it looks like we've got some pretty good talent in the wide receiver core. Um, we won, We went to the four-receiver offense um, during the Wisconsin game. It looked like we could really move the ball. It looks like it's an uh, offense that Jay, uh, Jake Christensen is very comfortable with. Darrell Dar- Johnson, Koulianos, the, the internet legend, DJK, looked very good. His uh, one-hand catch was amazing. And I think we can expect more as he gets uh, more experienced, and, and as well as uh, more from Paul Chaney as well. The defensive line looked tired toward the end of the game, like they were getting worn down by the big Wisconsin offensive line. And it appeared to me that the coaches needed to substitute some fresh bodies in there toward the end of the game and I hope that we see more of guys like Adrian Claiborne and Anton Narinsky as as they're needed. Mark B, what do you see with the Indiana game? Against Indiana there that's the kind of team that Iowa I hate to see Iowa play because they're very dangerous on offense. They run the spread offense. They've got a very elusive quarterback who's tough to contain. It's absolutely imperative that Iowa gets a good rush on the Indiana quarterback this weekend, and that may mean putting in some fresh bodies toward the end of the game on the defensive line and running more blitzes. Otherwise, Iowa could be in for a long afternoon. Yet, I expect Iowa's going to win that game probably by 7 to 10 points. HawkeyesMike.com, something new. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. We want to welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. 
Marv, what did the Hawks show you in Saturday's game in Madison? That they'll compete. I mean, that they'll they'll give you everything they got, which is I think has been an Iowa trait for a long time. And, and that's the one thing that I I took out of the game is that they the guys on the field will compete and they will get after you and uh, give you everything they got. Now with that being said, I'm not sure how good a football team Wisconsin really is. I mean, UNLV had them down, should have possibly beat them. You know, Citadel had them 21-21 at half last week at home. So I'm not convinced that Wisconsin's a top 10 team. Uh, I think they've got some issues to work through over the next six seven weeks. But uh, but the one thing I, I saw about Iowa that I like is like I said that they will compete they will get after you. What improvement did you see? Is there hope? There's always hope. I mean, Coach Ferentz is a great coach, and he'll get them, uh, you know, focused. And one thing that Iowa will do is they'll try to get better each and every day. And, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'll, they'll go about their business and, and prepare. And, you know, they, they will get better. I mean, they will continue to improve and get better and better. And I think the defense is doing what they need to do. Uh, offensively, we just got to find guys that will make plays. You know, we got to find playmakers. And obviously with Brodell going down and Tony Moyaki going down, you know, I look up and I didn't see that big a drop-off. I mean, you get right down to it. I mean, I think we've got decent depth in those positions. You know, I think Myers is pretty good tight end and the new receiver, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name, but uh, did a nice job stepping in and making plays when his number was called. And so that's what you need if you want to be a good football team. You need depth at those positions. And I think Iowa's got it. Given the blitzes, Wisconsin was running right from the outset, harassing Jake, giving him no time to throw or react, really. Why did it take that long for the offensive coaches to start sending in plays that had Jake rolling out, uh, gave him a better chance to succeed? Yeah, and I, you know, I think we, I, I, if we got into a, a for sure passing down, we really had problems. I mean, if we got into third and medium, third and long, it seemed like they, we couldn't answer, we couldn't block that. And a lot of times when they bring an extra guy, football's a unique deal. The quarterback can't block. So technically we've got 10 guys that can block, but they got 11 guys on defense. So you can always get an unblocked guy to the quarterback with a blitz package. You know, if that's the case, then they've got to be manned up somewhere, and we've got to find a way to exploit that and throw that back at them. And it's always a situation that if a defense is going to bring pressure on you, if you can somehow make that guy miss or or get a play called that will throw the stress back on the defense, that's what you need to try to do. And it just didn't seem like we had that answer. The guy came off the edge, and Jake was just trying to step up and make a pass or something. It was just we uh, we weren't throwing the side adjuster. We weren't making the necessary adjustment to try to offset the blitz that Wisconsin was bringing. Do you think the Iowa offense will become a little more flexible here going forward, adjusting not only to the talent and, and the inexperience that they obviously have now, especially in the skill positions, but also more flexible in terms of maybe establishing the pass, running more varied sets? and not, not trying to establish the run first. Maybe you end up balanced, but but you're not going out there almost bullheaded or stubborn. That's the way we're built. I mean, we're built to be a running team, and so is Wisconsin. I mean, I think Wisconsin probably tried to come out too early and throw the ball around a little bit, and it, did, it wasn't what they were or who they are. And then when they actually needed to run the ball at the end of the game, they just lined up and ran the ball. And you have to find ways to make it work. But right now, I was built to run the ball and then set up the play action. It would be a complete turnaround, but it, there was times Saturday night when it looked like that's what Iowa wanted to do, they went empty, you know, they had five wides or they put it back in the slot. Uh, and those are good things because that will make a defense, make adjustments. And it looked to me like when, when, we, when Iowa did that, Wisconsin got pretty basic on their defense. And we had the shorter passes were now open and, and things like that. So I think that's a good change up. It's something that Iowa needs to be willing to do, I think, at times, and especially when you face a team like Wisconsin. But uh, the one thing you need when you do that type of offense is continuity. And with the bodies going down and new players in there, it makes it more and more difficult to do that type of thing. What'd you think of Jake's performance and that of the offense overall? Uh, I, mean, I thought Jake's performance was okay. I mean, you know, it's 
but at the end of the day, as an offense, we got to score points. That's that's the number one job of an offense is to score points and put yourself in a position to win. And obviously, that's the one thing that we're not doing offensively. And uh, that's how you should evaluate ultimately how teams do. You know, the two minute right before the half. A lot of teams they get basic. They get you know they play prevent because they don't want to give up the big play. And and that's why we were able to have some success, I think, with the passing game there. But. Uh, you know, when Wisconsin needed to slam the door on the passing game, they brought some pressure and it seemed like that was their answer. And, and so we need to come up with some strategies that will help us improve there. But I mean, I, th I thought, you know, on the road versus Wisconsin in that environment, I, you know, what you want is that type of game. You want a chance at the end of the game to be able to win. And that's what we had. From that standpoint, you got to walk away with some positives from that. I know a lot of people were concerned about the overthrows Jake was making Saturday night as a coach now. How do you work with a quarterback to stop that, even on short passes? You just have to drill, drill, drill. Just do fundamentals and, and technique drills and, and over and over and over again in practice, just work those things uh, to get in the right mechanics, the right throwing motion, and then just the right timing with the receiver. A lot of times it may be the receiver is running a route that's too short. And uh, so a lot of times you don't know exactly what the details are and why he's throwing over the top but you know it's just a mechanic thing it's a fundamental thing and it's just if you drill and drill and drill uh, and do the routine over and over and over again it becomes habit habit forming and that's I think what what they need to do. We ask this question almost every week but at this point in following the Wisconsin game do you see any sign of one or more emerging playmakers on the offense? Young and Sims are still I still like them as a great running back combination I think, I think Myers will get better at the tight end position. I think he's going to have to, uh, but I, I, I think he's a solid player. Julianos, I mean, obviously he showed glimmer uh, and had potential. The receiver there at the end that broke free on the long run is obviously a guy that would be a nice weapon for us. That was a nice play at the end of the game on fourth down to be able to take a shot over the top and actually get over the top against Wisconsin was pretty impressive. You know, this is the Big Ten now, and everybody's going to be good. Everybody's going to be solid. We're going to have to find ways to win these games and to put our players in positions to be successful. And that's part of what coaching is. It's you, we have to find ways to play to our players' strengths and hide their weaknesses, and if we can do that, we'll be all right. As a coach, how do you make personnel decisions when you have players who don't always practice well but consistently show up big in games? Well, yeah, it's one of the things you have to factor in. I mean, uh, some guys don't practice well. They, they play well in, when the game's on. A lot of coaches are stubborn and hard-headed, and I'm one of them probably from that standpoint. That I believe you play like you practice. Practice well, you'll play well, and if you prepare well, you'll play well. So. I'm a big proponent of you have to see it in practice, you have to perform it in practice, and if you do that, then you'll be able to do it on Saturday. So that's a difficult, fine line that I think coaches have to make to determine who the players are going to be on Saturday. It now appears that Moyaki's going to be out for several weeks at least. What do you expect to see from the other tight ends, especially the younger ones, who will now have to step in and be that next man in? Yeah, I think it's just going to be the same things. I mean, I think, uh, like I said, I think Myers is a really good tight end. I think he'll be able to, to hold his own in that position. But, you know, one of the things that Iowa's always been good at is having the two tight end sets. So we're going to have to find that that next tight end, who's who it's going to be, and hopefully that'll help with our running game a little bit as well. And, and my, my core belief has always been if you have two good tight ends that are pretty mobile, you can create mismatches because if, if we go two tights and they stay base, then we can pass with the tight ends running routes on linebackers. But if we go two tights and they go nickel, now we can line up and run it because now we have the advantage with a tight end blocking a safety or, or uh, you know another defensive back. So I think the tight end position is very, very important in offense and it's just we've got to find someone who steps in who will know the system, know the terminology, be able to perform the things that they need to perform to be successful. And, you know, there's obviously been a great tradition of 
tight end for Iowa. It's just someone's going to have to step up and take that role. Since Iowa seems incapable of scoring on their first offensive series of games, for the most part, recently, what would you do if you won the toss? Uh, would you put the defense out there since that's the strength? You know, I'm not sure where that came from. I mean, I mean, I think I'd say 98% of all coaches defer on the coin toss, which means if you win the coin toss and you defer, you're probably going to be kicking off, putting your defense on the field. And as good as our defense has been, at Iowa, that may not be a bad thing just from a field position standpoint. You know, try to force them to go three and out. They punt. Now you got the ball at midfield or better, and you have a chance to, to maybe get points early. You know, that's Kirk's decision. It's been successful. I mean, there, like I said, if you go back three or four years or four or five years, we had an unbelievable statistic when I was doing the color for the games. I mean, they had scored a touchdown on their first possession, like 10 or 11 straight games. It was amazing. And now they're just going through that period where it's it's just not the case. The kicking game seemed to get marginally better. Not great, but a little better this week. A couple punts that, you know, cost us some field position early in the game. Our defense was able to overcome those. Uh, but yeah, it was good to see an Iowa City Regina alum kicking the field goals for Iowa and made two and unfortunately had one block, but he was stepped up when his number was called and that was good to see. But uh, yeah, I mean, kickoff coverage, that one right at the second half was pretty impressive. I mean, that's... We're talking about a game-changing moment. That was a big hit uh, that Murphy put on and caused the fumble, and it's just too bad we weren't able to get points out of that possession. Given what the Hawks' defense did against a top-10-ranked team in Wisconsin, are you becoming more convinced at this point that this defense is for real and has a chance to really make its mark in the Big Ten? I'm becoming more convinced, although, like I said, it was, the Citadel had 21 points against Wisconsin by half up there the week earlier. Uh, UNLV put up a lot of points against Wisconsin. I think our defense is solid. I think we're really good. I, I still think, you know, everybody looks at Wisconsin being the seventh or eighth or ninth ranked team in the country. I'm not convinced with that number yet. I think their offensive line is still suspect. And as they get into some, the, the, the Penn States and the Michigans and Ohio States and those types of teams, I think you will see some of that stuff crack a little bit. And uh, it was interesting to see Iowa defense adjustment. They actually rushed two a couple times, and they would drop Kroll out, and they were playing with nine guys covering the pass, and it really caused Wisconsin a problem. So uh, I thought some of the adjustments that Coach Parker was making was pretty impressive. There's been a lot of talk since the game that because Wisconsin was able to rack up most of its yardage and its points in the fourth quarter, that Iowa's defensive line and the linebackers were beginning to get tired in large part for two reasons, really. One, the offense's inability to sustain drives and let the defense rest on the sidelines. And two, the fact that Norm Parker, the defensive coordinator, really doesn't use much of a rotation of getting some fresh people in there to give the starters a little breather. I, I thought Coach Parker actually handled that question well. And he, he, they went with who they felt was going to be the best down the stretch. And Mitch King at 85 or 90 percent is still going to be better than most, you know, probably 80 percent of all D linemen in the country, to be honest with you. So uh, that's that's a tough, tough decision. I mean, you hope to have the depth where you can get a guy in for five or six snaps and then get him out for three or four if you need to. Uh, but obviously, I mean, that's a decision the staff makes and, and they feel like, you know, Kroll and King and uh, Webberman and all those guys gave them the best opportunity down the stretch. And, and, you know, I mean, I thought for the most part, they, I mean, P.J. Hill's a pretty good back and they were pounding in there pretty good and they made a couple nice, they bounced a couple outside and got some big yards. And, and, and they got a combination similar to Iowa and that P.J. Hill pounds away and then the, and the, the other guy comes in, he's a little bit more scatty and causes you some problems. So uh, I thought defensively, they, they, they held their own and did what they needed to do. You know, there was one questionable call on a pass interference that I thought might have been an uncatchable ball that I thought went against Iowa late in the game that really kind of made a big difference. But other than that, I mean, just defense did what they had to do offensively. We weren't able to get it done. Any comment on the officiating in this game? So the, the one that I thought was, I didn't understand, quite 
What didn't get to see a clear action shot of it was the pass interference against Iowa. It was a rollout to the right and the receiver slipped and fell or was bumped, but the ball looked to me like it was way over the receiver's head and, and I thought that could have been an uncatchable ball. What's your sense of the team's overall development and performance at this point in the season now? I think this was a, a good test for them. I mean, obviously, face Wisconsin up there, he's got the longest winning streak in college football. I'm convinced that Wisconsin's a good team. I'm not convinced they're a great team yet. I think, you know, I mean, the, what they are is if they can stop the running game, they've got you, and that's what they were able to do against Arkansas. Try to make Arkansas pass last year in the bowl game, and they were able to dominate Arkansas or win that game. And I think that's kind of what they're able to do with Iowa, stop the run, make Iowa have to pass, and uh, make Iowa one-dimensional. I know that's Norm Parker's philosophy. If they can make you one-dimensional, they feel like they've got you. And, and that's what Wisconsin's been able to do to teams is make them one-dimensional, make them try to pass, and they win them. You know, the team appeared to bounce back very well, really, from the Iowa State loss. And the actual attitude was pretty determined and upbeat even after Saturday's game. So what do you expect to see this week? Well, I mean, Iowa State did lose to Toledo, so let's keep that in perspective. And I don't know how good Toledo is this year. Uh, I would just wish Shaggy would have missed the one against us and made the one against Toledo. But uh, it's, it's, to be, it's to be continued. It's a work in progress, in my opinion, to see how good this team's going to be. And, and uh, it'll be a testament to their character to see how they handle this. I mean, this is two tough losses in a row and now we got Indiana for homecoming. It's just a matter of can you refocus, get back on track. I think Indiana's down this year after losing their coach last year, Coach Hebner passing away. But still, I mean, they're going to be a challenge. I mean, they'll, they'll pose us some problems like they did last year. going to be up to Iowa to, to match the intensity and to be ready to go and, and to play well and to keep improving. If they do that, I think they'll be okay this weekend and uh, they'll be on track to keep moving forward. Got to ask you this question. I always wondered this. As a player in a college environment, did the fact that a particular game was homecoming really mean anything any more so than any other game? Looking back, it didn't. It didn't as a player. It, it was another game to me, and we, you know we didn't. We weren't able to participate in the homecoming parade. We weren't able to do that stuff. Saw a few more posters or something on campus, but uh, to me as a player, it was just another game. I mean, it was. Uh, it wasn't like high school where you really kind of got involved with the week's festivities. When you're a football player at Iowa, you really don't participate in a lot of the uh, activities that go along with homecoming that the general student body participates in. What are your keys to the Indiana game? The keys to the Indiana game will just be to, to, to first of all. Evaluate where all the players are, who's going to be who's going to be available to play. Obviously, Brodell's probably going to be down for a while. Moyaki may be down for the season, and find out who's going to be in there, and then getting them the reps, getting them the uh, you know the game plan, and, and then hopefully over the next three or four days we'll be able to execute it, be ready to go on Saturday. Any other thoughts? First half was disappointing. Obviously, I thought the announcers were pretty brutal, the Hawks and to Wisconsin both from an offensive standpoint. But um, you know, they, things were able to change around, and the defense's intensity level and and Iowa really did some positive things in the second half from a special team standpoint, from a, uh, a defensive standpoint that I thought gave them an opportunity to win the game. Another call, then coming up, award-winning Iowa City Press Citizen Sports reporter and columnist, Pat Hardy. What's up? My name is Zach. I'm a Hawkeyes fan from Iowa City, Iowa. Just wanted to call in and reflect a little bit on last week's incredibly tough loss to Wisconsin. It's it's tough, you know, taking two losses back-to-back -back like that when when you know that Iowa hasn't been playing their best football. Losing two games in a row, tough regardless, but the way that they've lost these two games, it, it doesn't seem like they've been beaten more so, you know, that they've lost the games. Offensively, something's broken and something definitely needs to be fixed. Iowa just looks inept offensively. There's, there's no ball movement. The, the offense last week against Wisconsin was three plays and punt. Zach, you don't sound very optimistic here kind of a pessimist here. I like this glass half empty on this one. We were one really in 
incredible catch by Julianas away from, you know, only scoring two field goals in that game. Uh, you got to do more than that, especially against a Wisconsin defense that was kind of kind of trying to find itself going into that game. I mean, people had played with them, and they, they didn't look like the number nine team in the nation. They, they looked beatable. Whatever it takes offensively, they've got to find a way to get it going. It's going to be really tough with Brodella for the year. You know, it seems like anything that can be going wrong with this receiving core is defensively, though, that's, that's a bright spot for Hawkeyes fans. We look incredible. Wisconsin does have that high-powered offense, and to hold them to only 17 points and to stick with them the entire game, that just it speaks to the defense's ability. The defenses ultimately are ultimately what's going to keep uh, keep Iowa in those games, and sooner or later, it's just going to work for the offense because it's got to. Well, I love Mitch King, one of the quickest interior players you'll see in college football. Doesn't have great size, has to use his agility in his first step. He's a wrestler, a guy that uses his hands as well as anybody. Between his quickness with his first step and his hands, he's able to get away from those offensive linemen and penetrate just like he did there. Right now, that big battle up front, the size of Wisconsin against the speed of Iowa, advantage to the Hawkeyes. What's been surprising is the way Iowa's defense has been able to manhandle Wisconsin up front. They've controlled that part of the line of scrimmage, putting plenty of pressure on Tyler Donovan, and it's gone back and forth and back and forth. And eventually, we're going to see somebody put together a drive and maybe get close enough to have a maybe a field goal attempt. Welcome back, Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in the Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Pat, what did the Hawks show you in Saturday's game? Guts, a little bit of courage, resiliency, everything they didn't show against Iowa State. I, they didn't look good doing a lot of what they did, but at least they looked like they were trying. They looked like they had their heart into it. And as the game progressed, you could see the passing attack coming on a little bit. But, you know, when, with all the injuries they've had, I hate to use injuries as an excuse, but they're, they're losing their top five receivers right now from a questionable passing game anyway, but they never gave up. That's, what it, that, that's why I was a little encouraged after Saturday's game. Improvement you saw, how much do you think fans can realistically hope for at this point in the season? I think realistically, I think you're asking too much for this team to go much above seven and five, eight and four, especially with all the injuries now. I think what I liked the best, what I saw improve the most, obviously Darrell Johnson kind of had a stepping out of sorts. And, but I think Jake Christensen kind of grew up a little bit. I think he learned to throw the ball away under pressure. You notice he didn't, I don't think he had any interceptions and he, he seemed to be a little more controlled in the pocket. He looked, he looked off of receivers in the past. He seems to latch onto one receiver, but I think you saw him grow up a little bit. I know you've expressed concern in the past that you think the, the offensive coaches are pretty stubborn when it comes to their game plan and trying to establish the run, but Saturday Wisconsin was blitzing all over the place. What do you think uh, took so long to get different plays in that gave Jake a chance to succeed? I think they're just stubborn. I think they want to try to win with what they believe in. I think they, even with the teams loading eight in the box and blitzing, they're still going to try to run to begin with. And then after a while, if they can't do that, then they'll make some changes. Sometimes I wish they would change a little sooner, but I'm telling you, their number one goal is to be balanced. Even with eight men in the box, they still think they can run the ball. I think everything kind of is predicated on them running the ball, but I think it's just their stubbornness. And I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. They believe in what they're doing and they're not going to let a couple bad weeks and an off year kind of change that they don't want to I don't Ferentz is never in panic mode so I think they're not going to just change everything just to change they're going to try to beat the teams at what they think they do best do you think Ken O'Keefe as coordinator is going to become a little more flexible maybe see more of the spread and some of the other sets that we saw Saturday night I think it's kind of a catch-22 I think they might try to spread things out a little bit if teams continue to load the box but 
not to keep harping on the same point, but they need to spread things out. They've only got four receivers on the team right now. Everyone else is either injured or suspended. So if they're going to run four and five receiver sets, those guys are going to get tired. And I just don't think you're going to see him totally abandoning the running game, not when two of their best players supposedly are running backs. What I'd like to see is maybe get them a way to get Albert more incorporated in the spread formation, get Damien in the backfield, let Albert become a receiver. I think the fullback position is just useless right now. I mean, I know Tom Bush is a good blocker, but when you're throwing eight men in the box, having a fullback is not going to make much of a difference. What do you think of Jake's performance, the offensive line, and the receivers? I thought Jake got better as the game progressed. I think he played with more poise and more control. I think he showed that he could make a few more passes. I'm still not convinced about his arm strength yet. I thought the average offensive line was very average. I thought they couldn't run block, and the excuse for that is they load the box, but they couldn't pass block either. So, I mean, I just thought the offensive line was very underwhelming. The receivers, under the circumstances, I thought they did fine. I thought Darrell Johnson came in and did a nice job. Paul Chaney, for hardly ever playing, caught every ball thrown to him, and I thought the receivers did a good job. I thought of those three groups, I think the offensive line was the worst. You talked about this all season long, but at this point after the Wisconsin game, do you see any playmakers emerging yet? Um, I think DJK, Darrell Johnson, with his size and quickness and elusiveness, I think he definitely has a chance to be an impact player. And he's going to get a chance this year because he's one of the top receivers now. He went, I mean, he went for probably being a guy that was going to play just sparingly and spot duty to where now he's going to possibly start. And I think with James Cleveland and Paul Chaney, Paul Chaney might be the fastest player to play at Iowa since Tim Dwight. So I think you've got some potential there. And I was impressed with the way he caught the ball. If they give him one block in that rec receiver screen, he's gone. Well, Darrell Johnson Koulianos has become an internet legend on the message board, certainly, in Iowa. Is it fair to regard this game and his performance Saturday as a bit of a coming out party? I think so. I think you can because he was thrust into a significant role and I think he made the most of it. I mean, he, he broke another kickoff return. He just has a knack for doing things. And the one-handed catch was incredible. I don't think there's a lot of receivers that could make that. So yeah, I think it's fair to say that. Some of the receivers who've had a chance to start since the beginning of the season have had quite a few drops. And yet, DJK finally gets a chance Saturday night, comes in, plays really well, catches nearly everything thrown remotely in his direction, makes a spectacular one-handed touchdown catch. There was a lot of, of chatter, controversy, questions last year about Lester Herb, the receiver's coach, whether he was really putting the right people, the people who had the best chance to succeed out in the field. Um, do you trust his judgment now? Where do you think we're going in terms of the starting receivers? We don't have a whole lot to choose from anymore. I think with DJK, we haven't seen enough yet. I mean, maybe we've, maybe they've seen a lot of drops in practice that we don't, we don't see. I mean, Cleveland's had the ball thrown to him more. And I think Cleveland actually showed some improvement. He does have a few drops, but I, don't know, I know there's been a lot made out of that and what have you, but I think if you can't trust the coaches to play the best players, you can't trust them at all. And I think right now they're trying to play the best players. Pat, given Iowa's virtual futility in moving the ball on their first offensive series every game here recently, when we won the toss Saturday, would you have put the defense out there? Yes, not to interrupt you, but yes, I'm sick of seeing the offense go out there first and go three plays and punt. I'm just tired of it. They look so unprepared to begin with. They look so unemotional when they get out there. You know they're going to hand it to Albert. You know they're going to try a short pass, and you know they're going to end up punting. And I just would like to see the defense set the tone early. Pat, what did you think of the offensive play calling at the start of the second half? We had great field position because we had just recovered the kickoff to Wisconsin. We were coming off of DJK's touchdown at the end of the first half. Did that seem a bit conservative to you? Yeah, I was upset because they ran, I think they ran Albert twice right after that. Next thing they had a third and long and that, and what they seem to be doing on third and long is they seem to be throwing such low percentage passes, that passing route down the sideline. More times than not, that doesn't work. And it just seems like there's times where there maybe is only one or two receivers that are open, but I didn't like that. 
that because I think they should have tried to do something a little more explosive than where they just seemed determined to try to get Albert involved in the running game. Going into last week's game, you wrote and expressed concern about the negative yardage plays and Iowa's problems with third down efficiency. We didn't do much more to improve this week. Not really, and I think that's just the inability of the running game to get doing much. Defenses know they're one-dimensional right now, and they're one-dimensional with a passing attack where most of the receivers are inexperienced. And right now, unless they can get this running game figured out, teams are going to continue to blitz and load the box. I know you've been also very concerned about the special teams. Your thoughts after Saturday night? I thought Daniel Murray showed some hope. I mean, he did have the one field goal block. The kick was a little low coming off his leg, but you know, he made a 41-yarder in a hostile environment. Made a 37-yarder. The kickoff team with Jamie Murphy and what have you seems to be doing a lot better. My biggest concern is Ryan Donahue. They just, I mean, I know Kirk was for the most part happy, but it seems like he has at least one or two kicks a game that are just horrible that give them, and then they lose field position from that point on. They're trying to battle up a hell from not having field position. So I think right now the, the special teams are average at best. All right, Pat. Now, are you beginning to become a believer in terms of Iowa's defense, whether it's for real and has a chance to be a force in the Big Ten again? I'm not totally convinced because ask me after the Indiana game because it, Wisconsin's grinded out style fits perfectly to the Iowa's defensive strengths. But now Indiana's going to spread the field. They're going to have linebackers on receivers. And if I'm not ready to totally commit to the defense yet because I want to see what they do to a spread offense. Lots of chatter on the message boards this week about Iowa's failure to do much of a rotation in terms of the defensive line and linebackers. Uh, those kids getting tired by the fourth quarter. Um, what are your thoughts about that? I agree. That's actually what I wrote about today. I'm not saying that they need to take Mitch King out for a series and this and there, but it doesn't hurt to maybe throw a, a backup in there for a play here and there. Mitch King and Matt Kroll are carrying a lot of weight on their bodies right now, and they wear down, and I think you could tell P.J. Hill was breaking arm tackles in the fourth quarter. They retired. Maybe make a couple substitutions in the second quarter, early in the third quarter. Let these guys keep their strength so they can make that final push at the end. And I think they need to do some more substituting on defense. Okay, our weekly question again here at this point in the season, following the Wisconsin game, what's your sense of the team's development overall? I'd say they're average right now. It's average. Everything's average. They could be worse, but they could be a lot better. I think they are what they are right now. It's about a 500 football team, and that's kind of how I project them being throughout the year. I just see this being about a, about, about a 500 football team. This question's a little bit off the beaten path, but I've always wondered, you know, there are questions posed on the message boards, again, for example, that are some kind of tough and provocative questions that never seem to get asked in Kirk's press conferences. Are there some line of questions that you think members of the media that cover the Iowa football team regularly are reluctant to ask at Kirk's Tuesday press conference, either because of unwritten rules or running the risk that they might more or less be blackballed? No, not really. I think I think we're kind of waiting for the season to progress. If they continue to struggle, the next line of questions will be, Kirk, do you feel there's a need to make coaching changes at the end of the season? I think we're kind of, it's still a little early. I think we're kind of waiting to let the season progress a little more because you don't want to say all these things and then all of a sudden they go out and they win two games in a row and then you look stupid. You're not giving them a chance. You need to let this thing develop a little more, but then we'll, we're ready. I mean, we'll be there to ask the questions. I mean, because if they go 500 or what have you, there may be a lot of talk about coaching changes. The team actually appeared to rebound pretty well from that Iowa State loss, and they seemed really surprisingly upbeat after Saturday's game, which had to be really tough for them. What do you expect to see now this coming Saturday? I have no idea what to expect because Indiana's not that big rivalry that Wisconsin is, and they 
they came out so flat in that second half against Indiana last year. I would think that they would have learned their lesson that Indiana is a very explosive team when you let them be. And I think Iowa defense played on their heels last year. They just need to be ready to handle that spread offense. They need to be able to handle what I think is one of the best up-and-coming quarterbacks in the Big Ten. they got to figure out a way to at least contain James Hardy. They can't allow him to get nine or ten catches again this game. And I just think that this is going to be a bigger challenge than last week defensively because Indiana is not a good matchup for Iowa. Their spread offense just does not match up well with this Iowa defense. Any other thoughts? I just think we need to let this thing play out a couple more weeks. I think Indiana this week, you asked me about that to next week. If they lose to Indiana, I think that will start to really shed some light on what's going to happen. I think right now we just need to wait another week. It's here. Hawkeyes Mike is for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. It's Hawks Sports Talk Radio on the internet. Your chance as a Hawkeye fan to make your voice heard on men's and women's sports weekly on HawkeyesMike.com. Just a couple of rants this week. Coaches are stubborn. I've heard a number of people say it who work with them and know them very well. You hear Pat Hardy say it almost weekly on this show. And this especially seems to show up in Iowa's case on offense, where Ken O'Keefe seems reluctant to adequately adjust to the talent we have and the obvious offensive struggles we're also having, especially given the inexperience. Maybe it's time this year that we become a little more imaginative and a little more flexible on offense and give this young team and quarterback Jake Christensen a fighting chance. And it wouldn't hurt for Norm Parker to use more of a rotation on the defensive side of the ball either. Regardless of what Parker and the starters say, there's no way they don't tire by the fourth quarter, especially with an offense that so far has been unable to sustain drives and stay on the field long enough to give the defense some rest on the sidelines. That's right. A lot has been written and said about the bad behavior of the Wisconsin crowd. Believe me, it's all true. And having gone to most of the Iowa-Wisconsin games in Madison for the past 25 years or so, and living in the Madison area for a period of time, it's actually getting worse, and that's hard to believe. Enough said. That's it, I'm out of here. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by The Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge at ui.com. And by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. Just a reminder that following every football game this fall, questions will be posted on HawkeyesMike.com. You can respond to those or offer whatever comments you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day from the time the game is over through the following Tuesday evening. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for listening or downloading on Wednesday afternoons. Again, just call 866-74-HAWKS to make your voice heard. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS.
This is a big game for the Hawkeyes coming up Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. It's homecoming versus Indiana. Iowa cannot afford to go 0-2 in the Big Ten if it has any hopes for a reasonably successful conference season. It's that simple. This will be a key game for assessing the defense, too, as Iowa has struggled in the past against the kind of spread offense the Hoosiers will run. Special teams will need to continue to show improvement. And it will be especially important to see if the offensive coaches become a little more flexible and imaginative in their game plans and utilize some of the formations and plays we begin to see in Madison. They'll have to if the Hawks are going to succeed over the course of the balance of this 2007 season. Great point about Iowa coming in here. Suspensions, injuries to two of their more experienced receivers. They battled a lot of adversity. And for a young team on the road, Wisconsin gets the win. And you're going to see them move on. But the Hawkeyes go back to the drawing board with a young team. And before it's all said and done, they are going to win some games. But the, the Badgers remain undefeated and they get their first win in conference play. Again, our thanks to ESPN on ABC. A good job by both Brent Musburger and Kirk Herbstreet in this game. Very insightful comments on the Hawks. Thanks again to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, and of course, to our callers. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard, 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. We encourage new callers, phone into Hawkeyes Mike, make yourself heard, then listen to yourself on the podcast, and invite your friends and family to listen. They can call in too. It's going to be all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of HawkeyesMike.com and Enlightened Vision, LLC.